to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So, let's live our best lives, one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi everybody, we are so glad you're here today. Welcome to episode 15 of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, we were just talking yesterday about we can't believe we're already at episode 15. I know. Isn't that crazy? Time flies. It really does. Before you know it, we'll be having episode 100 and then 200 and then bam. <laughs> then it really starts to feel like, wow. Because you know, we we're, we're past 200 on the Intermittent Fasting Podcast, which feels crazy. I think the craziest thing for me is like this concept has been my head for so long. Mm-hmm. And like, then it's reality, but you're living the reality, right? So I'm just like immersed in the work. Right. And then I'll look at the podcast platform and it's like, you know, episode 10 just came out. And I was like, wow, we've put 10 episodes. I'm like, this is really happening. I had like a little pinch me moment yesterday. It feels so weird. It just does. Like we have a podcast and it's doing really well. And it really is weird to think about. Like the weirdest thing is going to be when you meet somebody in the wild who you don't know and they tell you that they listen. That's the weirdest. The first time that happened to me, I was at an event. It was a Blue Zones cooking kind of a thing here in my local community. It was a a few years ago. And somebody was there. It was a doctor's wife. The doctor put it on. And I was talking about my book and the the Blue Zones and because that's in um, Feast Without fear. And I was like, and this is a picture of my other book, Delay Don't Deny. This was before um, Fast Feast Repeat. And she's like, wait a minute, do you have a podcast? (laughs) I'm like, yeah. She's like, look, she showed me she'd been listening to it. Intermittent fasting stories. That's so fun. Like, that's bizarre. It felt so weird. Or like today, somebody joined our Facebook community and they'd been a member of Facebook for like four hours. And they joined just, I guess, because they I don't know, they heard about our community, and they wanted to join it. And then they said, you know, that they are listening to our podcast, and that they really loved my story. And I was like, what? Somebody? (laughs) Yeah. Somebody connected with me. That's cool. And then they came and joined our Facebook community. And so everybody, if you haven't yet joined our Facebook community, go to Facebook and find Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Yeah, you don't have to go to anywhere else on Facebook. Just come join our community. It's fun. It is. So we start every show with a good news segment. And today's good news segment comes from one of our listeners. Her name is Megan. And she shared with us a letter that she sent to friends and family at the end of 2020. And uh, this is what she wrote. Another year comes as one departs. Although I have to say the departing year was not what we had hoped it would be. 2020 did have its high points. And I feel that is what we really need to focus on. I want to make sure you focus on the high points of my story. This letter is not going to contain only cheer. There were some deep sadness in our house this year. 
and the sadness has to be told in order to help celebrate the victory. 2020 started off as a year of hope for many, but we already knew from the beginning it was going to be a trial of a year. My husband Matt's mother, Linda, had been diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer in the middle of 2019, so we knew our time was limited and that we were going to have to take advantage of our very short drive to her home and visit as often as we could. After the pandemic hit Idaho in March, it made the visits harder to accomplish. She was nervous to have people over as she didn't want others to fall ill. The end of April came hard with her passing. Aside from losing a pillar of the family, it made it especially hard as we found ourselves in a very tough position as we couldn't have a celebration of life for her. We just kept living and it felt like there was no closure. Matt was seeking out closure in any way he could, and he has always turned to his Volkswagen habit slash hobby for therapy when he is feeling anxious. So he came to me with an idea. He said, Meg, I have an idea and you might think I'm crazy, but I think it could be really great for me and for the metastatic breast cancer community. He then began to tell me of his awesome idea. He wanted to find a Volkswagen to restore, and then we could auction it off for charity that works with metastatic breast cancer research. As great of an idea as it was, we knew we couldn't do it alone. We were going to need some help. So we reached out to family and friends and told them what we wanted to do. We asked for help and help is what we received. I am still in awe and so very grateful of the amazing people in our lives and the amazing people that loved Linda so much that they opened their hearts to this crazy idea of restoring a car for charity. So many people truly believed in us and knew we would follow through. We found a car pretty quickly through Matt's friend, Doug. It was like a blessing straight from Linda. Matt had just finished telling his dad about his idea when Doug stopped by to check in and bring him some food. He knew Matt had several Volkswagens, so he kind of offhandedly told Matt, hey, I know a guy that is wanting to sell a Beetle if you know anyone that is looking for a project. It is in decent shape with new paint, but it needs to be put back together. Matt asked what color, and Doug said yellow. I looked at Matt mouth agape. Yellow was Linda's favorite color. The next week, the car was purchased. We had raised several thousand dollars through family and friends to help with the rest of the parts we would need to complete Linda's bug. Some months were more productive than others, and by late summer, we had helped most weekends to have all hands on deck putting her back together. October was approaching quickly, and we were determined to have her done. Through blood, sweat, and tears, we got her completed in time to submit her for auction. Linda's bug was virtually sent to the auction site in October, but the auction site we used was swamped with too many cars at that time, so they waited and they put us on a virtual auction block the week before Thanksgiving. This gave us so much to be thankful for on a holiday that Linda was missed. Throughout the week, there were some bids here and there, and by the time bidding was supposed to close, the car was up to $13,000, which was awesome. We were hoping for 10, so anything above that was gravy. The auction site we used extends the auction by two minutes, as long as there's still bidding in the last two minutes. So as we approach the last few minutes, we are getting ready to celebrate when someone upped the bid. This kept happening over and over for a half hour. At one point, the bids were up to 17,000 and I screamed from the kitchen, what if they bid it up to 20,000? Matt laughed at me and six minutes later, we were at 20,000. The amount of times I shrieked in that half hour, I'm sure increased Matt's need for future hearing aids. The gentleman that won the bidding war had his own personal reasons for spending so much money on a 1969 Volkswagen Beetle. You see, he lost his wife to metastatic breast cancer in August of 2020. 
They were nearing retirement and had always dreamed of owning an old car that they could take to car shows in their retirement years. He also had a special place in his heart for Volkswagens, as he was in the service and was stationed in Germany for some time, and the only cars that were available for him to drive were the Volkswagen Beetle. So he had many years of memories in a Volkswagen with his wife and kids riding in the passenger seat next to him. His name is Chris, and he purchased Linda's Bug for $25,000. All $25,000 has been donated to Metaviver. The car safely made it to Chris in Michigan, where he had the opportunity to drive it around town and send us some pictures. We would like you to remember this happy story of 2020 and know that with love, work, and perseverance, you can always choose to make a terrible situation into something worth celebrating. And then she adds, I hope this put a smile on your face because there is still one on mine. Wow. What a story. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And, you know, huh, I could tell that you were having a hard time getting through that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very emotional, but that is just the perfect person to have um, have that Volkswagen. So, yeah, now I'm all weepy the clumped. I don't know what that means I just said there was remember that Saturday Night Live skit coffee talk she would say I'm the clumped talk amongst oh yourselves remember that <laughs> vaguely I don't know what that means so if it means something terrible then I'm sorry I don't know. <laughs> but I think it means overcome overcome anyway I just remember that coffee talk so life lessons with Sherry and Jen talk amongst yourselves <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing that. So listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to this week's life lesson, I want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast, and that is Daily Harvest. If you're like me, you have a really positive intention regarding the foods you choose, and you want to have healthy options that are readily available and easy to prepare. And I have long had positive intentions regarding making healthy substitutions for dessert. Like, I'm a huge dessert girl. I live for dessert more days than not. Like I always say, life is too short to skip dessert. So even though I have these great positive intentions to sub out my dessert with like chia puddings or delicious smoothies, when it came down to implementing that, I just never had the time or didn't have all the ingredients on hand. And I know you can go to Pinterest and find all these recipes, but like, you have to make the recipe as well, right? (laughs) (laughs) And people are like, you just put it all in a Ziploc bag and it's ready. No, no, it'll never happen in my life. Something sweet. You don't have any ingredients, but you do have a bag of chocolate chips way up high in the pantry and you find those. That's my, (laughs) what happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I really, I just don't, yeah, I don't have the time. I need something quick. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to look for a recipe. So daily harvest is perfect for me. I keep my freezer stocked with ready to mix smoothies, chia bowls, and oat bowls that are way more than breakfast oatmeal. They're like dessert oatmeal. They're delicious. They are loaded with organic fruits, veggies, seeds, nuts, herbs, and even some adaptogens. Some of my favorite smoothies are the chocolate blueberry, the mint and cacao, and for a mid-afternoon treat, I love the cold brew and cacao. It's like a super healthy mocha frozen coffee treat. 
So if you're interested in giving them a try and to help support the work we do here on the podcast, I will leave a link in show notes that will save you $25 on your first order. Awesome. They are so good. They really are. And now it is time for the life lesson of the week. This week, we are going to talk about decluttering your life. I wish I could, you know, somehow take this information and beam it into Chad's head. (laughs) (laughs) I bet a lot of people in their marriages, one person wants to declutter and the other person is like secretly saving everything. That's my life. I think so. And um, like, this is a topic that I sort of have a love-hate relationship with, because like nothing stresses me out more than when I come in the house and I just see clutter everywhere, like on the kitchen cabinet and on the kitchen table and on the dining room table. And I don't know why, but those are like the two places in my house that like accumulate stuff. And I'm like, where does it come from? And like my home, it's I, I work, I travel, I commute. When I'm working, I'm not even at home. I stay in town at a friend's house. So when I come home, I want it to be like peaceful. I want to rest, recharge and relax. And if I come in the door and it's a mess, then I can't do that. Like I literally just want to like turn around, and go back out the door. Well, you know how I am. What did Eric say when he was here? When y'all went upstairs that first night? Jen's really serious about her kitchen or something. What did he say? He's like, she's a little OCD about her kitchen, isn't she? <laughs> Well, every night I have to declutter it before I go to bed. I mean, there's nothing on the counters that doesn't belong there. And I turn the dishwasher on and then hop in the bed. Yeah. Well, like I came in here to record and Eric said, what's today's episode about? And I told him and he's, I said, it was kind of stressed me out to write it. And and he said, why? I said, look around at our house. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, what's wrong with it? And I'm like, oh, my Lord. So clutter really seeps into all areas of our life. Most people think of just their home when they think about clutter, but it can overflow into everywhere. Your garage, your car, your shed, your desk, your locker, even your email inbox. That stack of mail that isn't piling up in your mailbox for a week. I am guilty of that. You don't get it out of the mailbox. Oh, like maybe twice a week. Oh, can I tell you a funny story, though? I have a P.O. box that I never go check because I just had to get it for business purposes. So I wasn't giving my home address out on every email that came out from my platform. (laughs) So I I haven't checked it since mm, summer. And I went and checked it and it had so much stuff in it. Like people had been sending me things like presents, thank you cards. I felt so bad. That's sweet. I know. Yeah. So if anybody, if you ever sent me something, I'm really sorry. I just got it like this week. (laughs) I think I leave it there because I want time. Like, I don't want to just come in and sit on the counter. So I want to have time to like go through it, figure out what's trash and what's not. And if I don't have that time, I'm just like, I'll deal with that See, later. I do it immediately. My mail lady probably hates me. I immediately bring it in and I immediately throw away the things that I don't need. And bills go in one certain spot. Anything that I don't know what it is, I open it and then I decide, does it go here or does it go in the trash? Yeah, Done. You're way more organized than I am. So there's one place that they say that it's okay to have clutter, and that is your desk. That people who have cluttered desks, it leads to creativity. Okay. Well, I feel better because that is the one place, you know, in my kitchen, I have that little desk area and there's a little clutter over there. Yep. So you may think that clutter isn't hurting you, but what if it is? Research has shown that clutter affects anxiety levels, sleep, and the ability to focus. It can affect allergies and asthma, it decreases productivity, and it can actually lead to obesity. Now, how is that, I wonder? I'll talk about that a little bit here. Research shows that the visual distraction of clutter causes cognitive overload in the brain, 
and it can reduce your working memory. In 2011, neuroscience researchers found that when test subjects cleared up clutter in their lives, they had better scores on the ability to focus, process information, and productivity. In 2009, one research study found that mothers who lived in cluttered homes had higher levels of the stress hormone cortisol. Ah. Cortisol can lead to all sorts of things, insulin resistance and obesity, just one of them. Living in a cluttered home can cause you to live in a constant low level of fight or flight mode, which is taxing on the body, both mentally and physically. The research on this is actually quite extensive, and researchers have continually shown the negative impact that clutter has on humans. One study showed that people were less able to correctly interpret facial expressions that convey emotions when there is background clutter. And so that can actually lead to problems within relationships and communication. Additionally, people who sleep in a cluttered room have greater instances of difficulty falling and staying asleep. Multiple research studies correlate cluttered environments with obesity. One study showed that just by being in a cluttered room, participants would be twice as likely to choose a chocolate bar over an apple. When sitting in a messy kitchen, participants ate twice as many cookies as the participants who were in a clean kitchen. And finally, one research study showed that people with extremely cluttered homes are 77% more likely to be overweight. Tidy homes, on the other hand, have a positive correlation with participants who were active and had good physical health. Well, see, now that makes sense. They're subtly, these signs of the clutter are subtly going into your brain and causing you stress and making you comfort eat because you see the clutter like you talked about. You walk in, you feel stressed out. And then you have the stress response. Well, now I get it. Well, and I think too, like, I'm guilty of this. I've come home, like, after being gone working all weekend, I'll come home on Monday and my kitchen's a mess. And I'm already tired. I've already got, you know, that excess ghrelin because I'm not, the hunger hormone is ramped up because I'm short on sleep. And my kitchen's a mess. And I'm like, I cannot cook in a messy kitchen. And I cannot cook if there's dirty dishes in the sink. I have to have a spotless kitchen to cook. So then I'm like, eh, I can't deal with this right now. Let's order pizza. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So, you know, I want people to think about this. Decluttering your home is actually a form of self-care, especially now that we just learned of all these things that, you know, were negatively affected by all the clutter. You know, and for me, I always think if I've got stuff sitting around, if it doesn't have a home, you know, everything should have a home. And if you've got so much stuff, it doesn't have a home that you have to stack it around you, then that's the signal that you have too much stuff. So, you know, by decluttering your home, by getting rid of stuff, you create more space. I mean, whether it's putting it away, if it already has a home, but you're just not putting it there, that's one thing. But if all your cabinets are already full and there's no room to put anything in there, It's time to get some things out. You know, when you own less stuff, you have less stuff to try to organize or put away or to find. You're not having to try to remember where you put it. Although, Sherry, I have to say, you know, we just moved in, gosh, well, it was 2019. So we're in our second full year of living in this house. And still sometimes I'm like, where did I put that when we moved? (laughs) I remember where it was. And you have what, like four attics? Well, we have a very unusual house, but it's got like an angled section right in the middle that's two-story with a vaulted ceiling. And then on either side of it, it's got little cubby areas under the eaves and the rooms on the second floor. And so there are f- one, two, there are four attics that you can walk into from the second floor, plus one pull-down attic. So we have five attics, really, but I'm not going to put anything in a pull-down attic. But at the closing table, the old owners said to us, they had lived in this house since 1984. 
Okay. So imagine how much they said that they had. But he said to me, beware of the addicts. Because <laughs> I think they just from 1984 until 2019, they just put stuff in those addicts. They raised their children here. So I'm being very mindful of that. And I am much more likely to get something out. You know, as I mentioned at the beginning, someone that lives here with me is not as good at that. And sometimes that can be a tense part of our marriage. But it really feels so good to get this stuff out. You have more time instead of reorganizing, you know, your clutter. Think of it as like, what is it, moving around deck chairs on the deck of the Titanic, right? That does, it's not doing anybody any good. Don't just keep moving it around. Get rid of it. And then you don't have to do that anymore. And when you have the stuff put away in a clutter-free home, you have more time because you're not having to sort things around. You also will have more energy, less stuff to clean, less stuff to move around. You can focus on the things that matter to you. And when your time and energy isn't devoted to being distracted or anxious because of all the clutter, you'll have less decision fatigue, less things to worry about. So removing that physical clutter removes the mental clutter and your to-do list gets smaller. So you really, you're lifting that burden of that stuff from your life and you'll feel so much better. You know, when we moved, I got rid of a lot of things, but it does feel good. It feels really good. There's still things I didn't get rid of that were not really up to me, let me just say. <laughs> but, you know, we're working on that. You know, we had had some area rugs that mm, needed to go and, and I just can't get I'm like, this is not in style. This will never be in style again. We will never again put this in our home. Well, we might use it for something. I'm like, all right, we have this giant workshop that we've put it in. So I can put that out of my mind because I don't even have to go there. Yeah. Chad is a saver, though. He's a saver. Yeah. Sometimes it comes in handy because you'll whip out something. I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you might be thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know all of this, but where do I start? And it can feel overwhelming. And often when we feel overwhelmed, we think, oh, I can't worry about this today. I'll just worry about this tomorrow. And then tomorrow becomes tomorrow. And then it never gets done. Yeah. And I'm very guilty of this. This is why I usually have three or four loads of clean laundry sitting in my house waiting to be put away because I don't know, laundry gives me anxiety and I look at it and I'm like, I can't, I just can't do that right now. And I just walk away, shut the door on it, pretend like it's not there until it's so unmanageable, overwhelming that I finally just have to be like, okay, today's the day. I have to like mentally prepare myself and dive in and just get it done. And it feels so good when I get it done, but it's for some reason I have this block about getting it done. So yeah, as I was reading some tips and tricks for decluttering, I realized I could really apply them to other areas in my life like laundry. And Rosa from Long Island, she submitted the question. She said, I often find myself feeling anxious just listening to people talk about condoing their home. And this is talking about like Marie Kondo, who really wants you to like examine everything, pick it up and say, does this bring me joy? That's Marie Kondoing. That's her decluttering technique. But I was surprised more people didn't write in about her um, when we were planning this episode and we asked for listener submissions. And I like, I totally get it, Rosa. I like know that feeling. I was having anxiety just reading all of this and putting this week's podcast together. So I do have a solution for you. We're going to do this together. We're going to start with some baby steps. On March the 20th, the first day of spring, we are going to start a 30-day 
Spring Clearing Challenge in the Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry Facebook group. And together we will do one decluttering task each day. I will have a calendar available that you can save or print out that will guide you. And then you can report back to the group and even share pictures of what you accomplished each day. And um, I just maybe making it a game, having some like community support and make it more fun and less intimidating. And then we're going to break it down into bite-sized pieces so it won't feel so overwhelming. I love that. And I love that we're calling it spring clearing Instead of spring cleaning, we're clearing some things out. Well, and in a future episode, we're going to talk about like people's best cleaning hacks and how to like quickly and effectively clean your home and keep it clean. And so really, you can't get into the cleaning until you clear. You got to clear before you can clean. And I just want to speak to what Rosa said about the Marie Kondo method. That really didn't speak to me. When those episodes came out, I think it was Netflix, and people were all watching them. Was it like a year or two ago? Uh-huh. And I watched it. And oh, she's delightful. Marie Kondo is delightful. And you can't watch her without loving her. But the whole feeling of, you know, I've got things that don't bring me joy. I just need them, <laughs> you know? So I was like, uh-uh, no. So no, I don't think it has to be that extreme. It is absolutely to keep something that doesn't bring you joy. A toilet plunger doesn't bring me any joy, but... We sure need need to have one. We need it, right? (laughs) (laughs) And not everything I keep is going to bring me joy. Yeah. My blender, although the stuff that comes out of it brings me joy, but. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, panties don't bring me joy, but they prefer that I wear them. That's true. (laughs) I do throw away the ones that don't feel nice on my butt. Can I say that on the podcast? (laughs) You you can. You can. If if they're riding up, they go. (laughs) All right. So, Kathy from Memphis asked, I recently retired from teaching, so I've had more time to work on downsizing and cleaning out years of life. But the problem is, how do I declutter when my husband is the pack rat? Oh, Kathy, I hear you. (laughs) She said, I do need to declutter my own clothes closet. But the rest of the struggle comes from his desire or need to keep every item from his childhood, books, toys, pictures, etc., or any piece of furniture that belonged to departed relatives. It is confined mostly to his two areas, but makes the house always seem to be in disarray. And Kim from Nova Scotia might have a solution. I'm ready to hear it, Kim, because I need it too. (laughs) Kim shared, I did a deep declutter of my home a few years ago, and it's been fairly easy to maintain since. I got my husband on board by showing him how much more spacious our home feels. It's a work in progress, but we are miles ahead of where we used to be a few years ago. You know, for me, you know, speaking to this, the way I have coped with it is I've agreed that he can have certain areas. I almost use, wanted to use the word I let him, but that's the wrong word because that implies that I'm in charge and I'm not. You know, we're a team, we're partners, but we have a, kind of agreed together over the years that he can have areas like his office. I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to worry about his desk. I don't need to worry about how it looks. That is not my concern. I let that go. You know, the way he manages his laundry, Sherry, is a little bit like you do. <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm a do it and I'm done kind of gal. But, you know, 30 years ago when we first got married, he decided he didn't like the way I did the laundry. And so he was going to do his own laundry and that's fine, but he won't put it away. But I'm like, okay, that's just not something. If we have something really important, people are coming over, he'll put it away if I ask him ahead of time. You know. <laughs> but even so, I've decided really does it matter? No, I'm not going to worry about that. His nightstand is very cluttered. And I just had to let it go. 
And and that's really one of my best tips. You know, decide on, okay, these are the areas, maybe it's the kitchen, maybe it's the living room. These are the areas we're not going to clutter up. And then these are the areas where you're going to be able to be a little more yourself in. I don't know. That's a suggestion that's worked for us. Holly has another tip that might appeal to him. She said, my best tip is to join a local Buy Nothing Facebook group. They're small, community-based groups where nothing is bought, sold, or traded. So basically, people are giving it away. Do you have one of those in your area, Sherry? I don't think we do. We do not. I looked and we don't because it sounds like a great idea. I'd be giving everything away. <laughs> now, we do I mean, have sure, like yeah. garage sale sites, like local yeah. you know, this garage is, You just have sites. to give it. I mean, you could probably give it away on there. Probably. But Sherry knows. I'm like, Sherry, I have these two mixers. Come and get them. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> I like giving them away. Two KitchenAid mixers. I got a new mixer. And I'm like, these can go. All right. So um, uh, those Buy Nothing Facebook groups are amazing. So anybody who lives in Augusta that's listening to me, would you please start a Buy Nothing Facebook group? Because Sherry, you know how I love to start groups. I actually, in my head, thought I should start one. And I'm like, oh, my God, no. Run. Run away from that idea. Somebody else can start one. <laughs> <laughs> Your plate is full, Jen. It is. But we need one. And anyone who's listening, you know, it's actually a network of groups that you join and you're part of. So I would take that on, especially if you live in Augusta. Please do that and let me know because I can add a lot right to it. But to know that something that I once loved is going to someone else in my community, that makes it great. You know, it's easy for me to let it go. You know, you don't have to give it away first come, first served. You can explain why you want it. And then you can pick the person that you really want it to go to. See, I think that's a great suggestion because, like, I feel like people want to hang on to these things because they bring him joy, right? Like, he maybe he has memories of these things and they really invoke feelings from the past. But maybe the idea of somebody else getting joy from his items would help him part with them. Like, especially if it's helping somebody out. And one of our listeners, Lisa, suggested taking pictures of items that you're holding on to for sentimental reasons. Then you have a permanent reminder without keeping the item. So maybe you could take a picture of the furniture, for instance. So he would still have a memory of it. Like maybe do you have a dog? Put the dog in the chair. Take a picture of your dog in the chair. You could frame it, hang it on the wall. He could see it. He would have a lasting memento of that chair. Um, and years down like the road, you, you know, you're family animals and sitting in the chair or, you know, a child, a grandchild, whatever. And, you know, I recently tried to sell some used furniture on Facebook and I was so surprised at the number of people who like needed a chair because they said they only had a, a lawn chair in their living room or they were just starting over with their kids and they didn't have beds. And I ended up giving away all this furniture to people because they just really needed it. And I was like, they need it more than I need to sell it. So that's something to consider, really. Yeah, that's really true. You know, we just moved Will out into a new place. He Well, he's been living on his own in a two-car garage converted apartment that had no real heat, and it flooded every time it rained. So we moved him into a new little house. It's a little tiny cottage that was built in the 20s, and he moved in there, but he has nothing. He's like the sitting on a lawn chair kind of person, you know? he We got him a couch on Facebook Marketplace, and for 50 bucks. And he's so excited. He's like, Oh, my God, I have a couch, you know, so really, we need something like that, where you can just give things to people that need them. One of our listeners, Lori S. She asked a question. She said, um, we're moving to our North Carolina beach house permanently in nine months. 
and I'm having issues letting go of the past. We have lived in our house 27 years. I'm way too sentimental about the craziest things and I need help letting go. Are there any tricks on how to do that? And Michelle Johns, she wrote in and she said, her suggestion is how to let go of cinema items. And she said, when we got the last kid off the payroll, which I, I loved that terminology, we sold our home and we bought a 740 square foot condo. We rented a storage unit for the things that we didn't use or love enough to display in our new home. We gave ourselves one year to go through it. We gave all of our kids all of their memorabilia and the photos from their childhoods. If we were sentimental about an item and we knew we would not use it or display it, but wanted to remember it, we took a photo of it. It was so painless that way. The additional bonus gift to our sons is that they will not have to clear, sift, and sort our memorabilia after we're gone. I love that because honestly, I've read so many things about this next generation, you know, our kids don't want all of our stuff. Like, you know, my grandmother Sterling, I have my grandmother Sterling, and it is so very special to me. And I used it at Thanksgiving and I, it does bring me joy. It brings me lots of joy, but they might not want it at all. So, you know, like fine china and it, it just makes me sad. What's going to happen to all of our, our sentimental things that we love? We do, we do love, but we're clearing it out is a great gift to your kids. Make sure you know, like if they're not going to want it, don't save it for them. Right. I mean, your kids don't want your high school yearbooks. No, they probably don't. Mm -mm. I came to that realization when I was moving to Colorado like 10 years ago, and I had to decide what was going and what wasn't going. And when you move cross country like that, you have to really downsize. And I had all my high school yearbooks and I was like, why do I have these even? I mean, like I didn't get them out of the box and look at them. They were in a basement box. And so it was like, I got rid of all sorts of, and I thought to myself, am I ever going to look back at these? Am I going to remember who these people were? Do my kids want these, you know? And so, yeah, it's just like things like that, that we hang on to that at the time we thought we might want, but years later, you realize they don't really have that much value or meaning. I had all of my grandparents' photos, and my grandfather loved to take pictures. He took so many photos. I mean, so many. But there, I didn't know who the people were. And so when we moved this last time, I gave myself permission to throw away photos of people that I didn't know who they were. I mean, I kept things that were sentimental if I knew who they were. But my grandparents are no longer with us. And, and here's a picture of someone I don't know. You know, it, it, was, it felt so weird to do that, though. But I gave myself permission to do it, and then it felt good. And instead of a giant, I mean, it was in a trunk. I had a trunk full of photos. Instead, we have just enough to go in a little box. That's perfect. And you have the pictures of the that matter, mm -hmm. of the people and, and the memories that matter. So one of our listeners, Sarah from Arizona, wants to know how to deal with children who want to hoard things. That's tricky, you know, because we're really, when our kids are little, we are teaching them, you know, things they'll remember for the rest of their lives. So when you have kids who are, you know, already showing those tendencies of wanting to hoard and keep everything, you know, you've got to really do the best you can with that. Because it always makes me wonder how much of that is just, I mean, did they grow out of it? I think, you know, kids, my kids, my son particularly, like he wanted to hold on to everything, every piece of art he created, every, you know, broken Lego piece. And I don't know why he was that way so much, but I would be like, you know, but this is broken. And he'd be like, I could still use it. And I'm like, yeah, but look how many Legos you have that aren't broken. So we would go through and sort out and take 
out, you know, stuff. And then toys that had missing parts and stuff. I mean, I would really just have to work with him to let things go. And I don't really know. I mean, I, I suspect it's a personality thing. So I started a memory box and I actually did that with my oldest because she was also like, wanting to save every piece of artwork that she did from the time she was in preschool up. And that's just not feasible. So <laughs> I got one of those underbed boxes, like the long kind of short ones. And so they each had a box and they had to choose. I'd be like, okay, is this going in the memory box or is this not going in the memory box? And then as the memory box started to get full, then they had to go through it and decide, you know, what did they really want to keep? I think that's a great strategy because the thing that you just said, people may not realize how powerful it is, but, you know, I was a teacher for 28 years. You gave her a choice. Mm -hmm. Is this going in or is it not going in? She was in control of that decision. And once it got full, all right, now you need to decide. She was in control of that decision again. Yeah. So it would hang on the fridge or the back of the door, you know, wherever you hang your kids artwork, it would hang there for an acceptable amount of time. And then I'd be like, okay, we're taking this down to make room for new art. You know, is this going in the box or is this going in the trash? And, you know, modeling that early and letting them have, you know, a say is really, really important. Mm -hmm. All right. So Holly from South Florida has both a tip and a question. First, her decluttering tip. She says, I've always loved fly lady techniques. And one of my favorites is the hot spot fire drill. Zero in on one spot in your home that tends to accumulate clutter. It might be the corner of the kitchen island or the coffee table or a table in your foyer or something like that. And take 10 minutes or so just to clear up that area. It helps me to not get overwhelmed with all that needs to be done everywhere and gives me a little win. And don't we all need a little win? And then she says you can learn more about Fly Lady techniques at flylady.net. And one thing I want to point out and add to Holly's tip is you I don't want you to just move it and stack it somewhere else because, you know, that's the trap we can get in. Like I said at the beginning, if you don't have anywhere to put stuff, that means you have too much stuff for your space. If you don't have enough closets or cabinets to put things away or under the bed storage or attics, if you cannot put it somewhere and say the place you have to is pile it up, that's a sign that you've got to get rid of some things. So be honest with yourself, you know, it's too much stuff. You know, over the years, if you think back to houses, you know, we this little house that Will's living in built in the 20s, tiny. That's how much stuff people had. They fit in their little tiny homes with their little tiny closet. I was going to say, I bet it hardly has any closet space, does it? Tiny, tiny little closets. And they actually built on closets. And the two-bedroom, one-bath house, they built on little closets at some point that were like maybe the 50s or 60s. You can tell that they added them and because they jut out into the room. But, you know, think about the houses that we're building now. And how much storage and how big they are in comparison. Yeah, we have pantries that are small rooms and walk-in closets that could double as a office. <laughs> yeah, they're huge. And so we're just getting more and more stuff and more and more big houses to put it in. And we really, you know, are spending a lot of money on this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it put it in perspective to look at that house from the 20s. Holly also had a question. She said, I hate putting more trash in landfills, so I get very hung up on what to do with the decluttered items. 
I'd like to know different options for donating or recycling. Maybe some things I haven't thought of. I used to donate excess craft supplies to our elementary school and to local Girl Scout troops, for instance. And I agree with that. The art teacher at my elementary school, she loved all sorts of things like that. Yeah. I think to check with like churches, women's shelters, in-home daycares. So they often have a need for clothing, bedding, towels, you know, small appliances, especially these women's shelters who are helping, you know, women get started back out again and getting their own places. Sometimes they leave, you know, literally with the clothes on their back. Also, the ASPCA and animal shelters, they can always use cleaning supplies, towels and linens. And again, look at your local Facebook pages. You know, they really do say one man's trash is another man's treasure. Jennifer wants to know, how do you prevent things from getting recluttered? And Eileen from New Jersey has a tip for that. She says, I set a timer for 15 minutes every day and I go from room to room collecting things and straightening up. I usually am finished before the timer goes off and everything is back in its place. Notice she said everything is in its place. It's been a very effective method for me. You do not realize how much you get done with 15 minutes of focused decluttering. Try it. I learned this from The Fly Lady, which is a website that teaches you how to gain control of your house one step at a time. And I have put a link for The Fly Lady in show notes for listeners to to check that out. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. A lot of people love The Fly Lady, so... Definitely check her check her out. We have a question from Sue from New York. She wants to know, how do you decide between trash and treasure? How do you decide what to donate versus what you send to the dump? A general rule of thumb is, does the item still have value? Is it in working, wearable, or usable condition? If the answer is no, then it is trash. That's important. You know, if you can't use it, if it's broken, and then, then they don't want it either. I used to be a member of the Augusta Junior League, and we had a big attic sale every year. And we would take, you know, donations from the community, and we would have to go through them and decide, is this something? And some things were not were not usable that people would donate, like the old dirty underwear. No, thank you. Yeah, or, you know, a Walkman CD player. And we don't have CDs anymore. So exactly, you know, if it's old electronics, especially, you know, with, you know, nobody wants your old VCR Nobody wants your old CD player. Nobody wants your charging cord for your cell phone from 2001. Exactly. And I get the fact that we're worried about, you know, adding to the landfills. But if it's something that can be recycled, you know, talk to, you know, the recycling, whoever does that in your community and see what they can do with it. Because you might be surprised some of these old things can be recycled in ways you hadn't thought of. But when we buy all the stuff, we've already created the problem. Mm Mm-hmm. So that the really the solution is to stop bringing so much in. For me, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, and you know, I, something I read when I was looking about this too was there was an article about stop donating your trash to like your local Goodwill or, you know, shelters or whatever because they pay for their trash removal and some places they pay per pound and other places they pay per dumpster. So when you give them your trash, you're costing them money and they're usually a not-for-profit, a charity organization. And so you're taking money out of their pocket because now they have to throw your trash away for you. Yeah. So instead of thinking about it at the time of, you know, how do I get rid of all this stuff I've now accumulated, work to accumulate less stuff Mm -hmm. and then you'll have less to throw away. Yep. 
Kim from Texas, she wrote, I need a lot of help decluttering because I'm a sentimental hoarder. I love learning about my family history and I inherited many items from my grandmas and parents. Things including serving platters that she served fried chicken on and some pots and pans that remind me of her so much. I also have boxes and boxes of family pics from many generations. I have a lot of sentimental things for my kids who are now adults. One thing that has helped me is to go through the memory boxes every year or so. I find the more distant the memory, I'm more likely able to sort the really important items and throw away things less important. That kind of goes back to my kids. They would save things and then, you know, a year or two down the line, they would be like, oh, I don't know why I saved that. Don't save that. Right. She said, I started keeping every item from my girls' school days. I've been able to part with most of it by keeping a highlight reel of each girl. It was easy to throw away the kindergarten drawings when I could see they created so much every year. So I kept enough just to see their progress. And so that's a great idea. I like the idea of a highlight reel. Like I'm thinking now, you know, with the way we do digital photography, you could even take a picture of your kids' artworks and create an album that's just your kids' artwork. And you could go back and look at it whenever you wanted without actually having the artwork, you know, to hold in your hand and it's not taking up space in your house. And I think kids would be more proud of that. Because it's it feels more official to have it in a book. I did bookmaking projects with my students. Like my second graders would write a book of poetry. And we would end up giving it to their parents for Christmas. We'd wrap it up. But they wrote the poetry over the course of the semester and illustrated it. But the minute I bound that book together, it had a hard back. I found a company that you could bind in your classroom. As soon as I handed them that book, it meant so much more than anything on just a piece of paper ever, ever would. They're like... And their name on the cover, they're like, I wrote a book. Yeah. I mean, like Shutterfly, I think you can do anywhere, Walgreens, Walmart, anywhere, you can get those little photo books made now. And so if you just took pictures of all of it, and I mean, really, you could do that with your grandmother's china. And, you know, you could make- Unless you're using it. You know, if you're really not using it, you don't need to hold on to it. I do use mine. I have a bit of a china problem, and I don't call it a problem because I love it. It brings me joy. Yeah. (laughs) All right, we have a few more tips from listeners, then we'll share some tips from the pros. Kelly from Calgary suggests having an ongoing process. She says, I declutter my entire house usually twice a year. I go through everything, every room, every drawer, every cupboard. I empty out the area, separating things into piles of keep, garbage, donate, sell. I sell items that have a little higher value on a community auction site. I donate items to the local Women in Need Society. And Claire from Delaware shared her experience with decluttering. She says, I would take one room at a time. It can be overwhelming. When my soon-to-be husband sold his home of 35 years to move into my home, he did not know where to start. His wife had passed away a few years before I met him, and he hadn't touched anything but her clothes and shoes. And she was quite the shopper. There was an attic full of stuff and more Christmas decorations than any one house needs. His kids did not help at all, and it was very overwhelming for him. I told him to take one area at a time. We sorted and took many truckloads to Goodwill, and in no time had everything clean out and organized. It is such a good feeling when you declutter. The only thing I would say would be to get the stuff that you decide you don't want or need out of the house as soon as possible so that you don't change your mind. That's a good tip. Pam from Iowa says, four years ago on Pinterest, I began following Taylor at Home Storage Solutions. She provides monthly challenges to declutter your home in the course of one year. 
you can print off the free monthly calendar and read about the daily 15-minute challenge related to the weekly goal. I chose to have a free email each day explaining the daily challenge. This is a very convenient way for me to track my progress. I delete the email when I accomplish the task. If it's still in my inbox, then it serves as a reminder that there's a job I need to tackle. Devoting 15 minutes to decluttering each day doesn't seem like much time, but it adds up to seven and a half hours each month. Of course, you can work more than 15 minutes a day. Your goal is to organize and declutter. Don't organize clutter. I love that tip. Don't organize the clutter. Don't just move it around. January focuses on the kitchen. She says this week's tip was organizing and decluttering the pantry following step-by-step instructions, and they were clear one shelf at a time. Look for its expired foods. Donate any unexpired foods you won't use. Don't donate the expired foods, people. (laughs) That was from me. Although, here's a fun tip, Sherry. I did a shift at the local food pantry, and they do actually accept things that are expired. They have like a guide to know, is it still within the safe use or is it garbage? There's some things that they do still pass on, even though they're expired. Just a little tip there. But for the most part, I would not. My things, by the way, Sherry, if they're expired, they tend to be like from 2012 or something. (laughs) They're not like expired by a little. (laughs) Group like things together. Note duplicates. Clean the crumbs and spills from the shelf. That's so important. Complete a free printable pantry inventory list as you return items to the shelf. And Pam says, for four years, I've participated in these challenges. Every year, I'm surprised at the clutter I've accumulated throughout the house. This has been a great plan for me to follow because it makes my life less stressful. Christy from Louisiana says, I've been working on defining spaces and only keeping what can fit easily in that space. This comes from the book, Decluttering at the Speed of Life. Last week, I took all of my flower vases, designated a shelf in my laundry room for them, and donated all those vases that couldn't fit. I could keep as many vases as I could fit, and now if I get a new one, I'll have to get rid of another one so it will fit. Great tip. So real quick, we have some speed tips we're going to share. A lot of people may be familiar of the concept of minimalism. So if you're you know, wanting to be more minimalistic in your lifestyle decluttering is a big part of that. So from the website, Becoming Minimalist, that's a mouthful, becomingminimalist.com, here are some creative decluttering tips. I thought it might be fun to just read them one after the other fast. You ready? All right. The first is give one item away every day. That would remove 365 items every single year from your house that you don't need. Fill an entire trash bag, get a trash bag and fill it as fast as you can with things you can donate at Goodwill. Donate clothes you never wear. If they're out of style, it's time to go. Create a decluttering checklist. It's a lot easier to declutter when you have a visual representation of where you need to get started. They have a decluttering checklist on their website that you can print out. Take the 12-12-12 challenge. Locate 12 items to throw away, 12 to donate, and 12 to be returned to their proper home. View your home as a first-time visitor. It's easy to forget what your home looks like to a new visitor. Enter your home as if you're visiting it for the first time or you're visiting the home of a friend. Write down your first impression on how clean and organized the home is and make changes. Take before and after photos of a small area. Choose one part of your home, like your kitchen counter, and take a photo of a small part of it. Quickly clean off the items in the photo and take an after photo. Once you see how your home could look, it becomes easier to start decluttering more of your home. 
And last, get help from a friend. Have a friend or family member go through your home and suggest a handful of big items to throw away or to give to someone else. This could be especially helpful if you have a hard time deciding what is trash and what is treasure. So if you've been listening and you're thinking, okay, it's time for me to dive in, start small and do a little bit at a time so you don't get overwhelmed. It does not have to be done all in one day or one weekend. Every little bit helps. You can start with even just five minutes at a time so it's not overwhelming, and you can build on that practice over time. And as I mentioned earlier, we are going to be leading a community-involved spring clearing challenge in our Facebook group starting on March the 20th, the first day of spring. If you're listening to this after March 20th, you can still join our group. Search for all of our lead posts using the topic tag spring clearing. Before we get to our listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast, LifePro. On episode seven of this, this podcast, we spoke with Joel from LifePro Fitness. With whole body vibration, you stand on a machine with a vibrating platform. As the machine vibrates, it transmits energy to your body, forcing your muscles to contract and relax dozens of times each second. Emerging research shows that whole body vibration, when performed correctly, reduces back pain, aids in flexibility, and reduces joint pain. It improves strength and balance, which is especially important in older adults, reduces bone loss, can improve mood and sleep, and improves the gut microbiome, which affects many body systems and can improve other health conditions. We have partnered with LifePro to bring you a special deal on a LifePro vibration plate or anything else they offer through their website. So if you're interested in further exploring vibration therapy, go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash LifePro. And when you buy, use our special discount code. Check out with Life Lessons, one word, and you'll save 10% off your entire order. Or you can just go to the Shop With Us tab at lifelessonscommunity.com. And this is one piece of exercise equipment that will not become clutter because you're going to love it. You know, I have cluttered up my life with lots of weirdo exercise things over the years, but this is one that I got my first vibration plate in 2015, and it's the only thing I've used this consistently in my entire life. So it is not clutter. It is something I use you know, I try to use it daily, but as often as I can. So next, we have a segment we call our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Erica from Arkansas. If you have an aging piece of furniture where the leather or faux leather is cracking, get leather-colored tape to fix it. It's like duct tape, but classier. It's not a permanent fix, but definitely extends the life of your furniture. And Erica says that they used it on an ottoman that's already 11 plus years old. Now they can keep it for a few more years while the kids are still little and destructive. One roll was less than $10 on Amazon and a superb color match. It comes in different sizes, colors, and shades. So we'll have a link to the product that Erica recommends in the podcast show notes if anyone wants to check it out. At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. Tanya in North Bay, California wrote us and she shared the following. Thank you for all you do, ladies. You make me smile. And I have a story and quote to share with listeners. I have lived a good life. I have a wonderful career as a preschool director. I'm married to an awesome man and I have two beautiful daughters in their 20s. While I'm happy every day, thank you, IF, walking a few miles every day and meditation, There are days that have rocked my world. 
right around my 50th birthday, almost five years ago, I lost many friends. Friends that were my age. It was a complete eye-opener. Hence, finding IF and starting to exercise. And it all changed my life for the better. All of this led me to recently going and getting my first tattoo. It's my favorite quote that I live every day. The quote is, live every moment, laugh every day, love beyond words. Oh, I love that. And by the way, just for listeners who may not know, IF is intermittent fasting. It just crossed my mind that, you know, we have a big intermittent fasting community because that's where Sherry and I met, but maybe some people didn't know that. Yeah, thank you for that. I didn't even think about that as I was reading it. I know, as you were reading it, and then I was like, wait a minute, it just says IF. So anyway, intermittent fasting. So that was that's a great quote. Live every moment, laugh every day, love beyond words. I don't think you can go wrong with that. Nope. So this is the end of our episode. Sherry, do you feel a little less anxious? I do. I'm ready to get this done. Now I'm super motivated. Ready for March 20th. So listeners, thank you for joining us today. Join our Facebook community. It's Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You get it every time without having to do anything. It just automatically shows up. And we would love for you to leave a review so that we can reach other people through the reviews. Do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Or do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.